out, nobody on. The playoffs to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three called to the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Hello and welcome to the Autobot Podcast. This is episode 24. My name is Justin Viber, and I'm joined as always by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. On tonight's episode, we are going to start a two-episode series where we're going to discuss some case studies for keeper deadline decisions. We solicited the call, the request for anybody that wanted us three to discuss their team and the keeper decisions that they have. We had a little bit of input from the people that submitted those requests about what they're looking for. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to cover three teams tonight. And then on the next episode, probably another three or four teams as well. So the first one is, let's see, I got the league name here. It's World Series of Tubes, which is League 772. The specific team that we're going to be discussing is the Highland Cows. And this is a Fangraphs Points League type. I'll start real quick. And then I think I want Chad to follow up on on my number driven approach to begin here but i plugged this team in to the surplus calculator with the up-to-date 2021 dollar values that include steamer and zips now from fangraph's depth charts projections and then the surplus calculator has this team around eighth place based on keepers and then the anticipated inflation is about 30 percent and what the reason i say anticipated and I think we've discussed this briefly on other podcast uh, episodes, but I want to talk about it again tonight since we're going to be going through this process. When I plug this league into the surplus calculator based on the dollar values as of tonight, the tool on the team totals tab will show 47% inflation. But I that's basically a maximum. That's basically if every team made the decisions that the surplus calculator expects, which is keeping only players that have surplus and cutting everyone else. And that's not realistic. We know that's not what's going to happen. In my experience over the years, when comparing the, the numbers on the surplus calculator to what I see actually happen at the keeper deadline, normally I knock 15% off of that number. So if it's 47% right now as a baseline on the surplus calculator, I'm expecting it to be, so 15 less than that is 32%. And then, you know, you can do a range of 5% either way, basically. So somewhere close to 30% inflation is what I would expect this league to end up with. So that's sort of informing some of the, the, the discussions that I'm going to have about which players might need to be kept or cut. So why don't I... Let Chad take the floor now if you want to discuss some of the specific uh, players on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think to jump in, we, we should start off sort of what this person asked about, which is they they bought in, they said they bought in the big 2019 seasons from Pete Alonzo and Rafael Devers, and still think there's a lot to like from both of them in 2020, but sort of unsure what to do with them given the not great seasons either of them so had this past that, year. That's a... 
$39 Alonzo and a $28 Devers. $38 Devers. $38 Devers, my bad. Yeah, and, and I think, so I started there, right? That was the first place I looked. That was the question they asked. If you're, let, let's start with that. Just to put some context with those two guys, if you go into the surplus calculator, Alonzo shows up as a $26 player. Devers shows up as a $30 player. So once you worry, once you add in inflation, let's call it 30% inflation on those guys, Devers is super close, right? He's maybe a $39 value, according to the surplus calculator. Alonzo's a little bit short of that. Um, to me, I don't know. I don't love either of those guys. I didn't love Devers before last year, so the fact that he had a down year doesn't really help. I, I think I would move on from those guys. I just think you'll find better options. Now, the thing that... that I'd be a little hesitant about is, again, the question that was asked about those two was, I have some ideas if I want to move on from these two. For example, they have Brandon Lowe and Nate Lau as potential first base platoon for 2021. Like, that doesn't cut it for me, right? Brandon Lowe should not be at your first baseman. Like You should have him at second base or middle infield. And Nate, I like him a lot. There's a lot of upside there, but I'm not going into the season with him as my first baseman thinking like, yep, first base is good to go. So... I don't think you're I, – I, for me, when I look at this team, I don't look at this team and think like, yeah, I can cut Alonzo, I can cut Devers, and I'm fine at those positions. I look at this team and think, I've got some decent options. He's got Nolan Jones for $2, who should help at some point this year at third base. Hunter Dozier at $7, who I think is a totally serviceable option at third base, although a guy I'd rather be playing in the outfield. He's going to need to go find help in those positions, but I don't think I would let the fact that I need to go find help in those positions stop me from cutting those guys if I don't think they're worth their salaries. And I don't think they're worth their salaries. I think Devers is closer than Alonzo, but I, I would probably, I'd probably shop them both because I think they both have value and, and I'm guessing I'm a relative low man on, on one or both of them. And so somebody else may have interest in them, but I'm not, I'm not keeping them just because I don't think I have better options. What What do you think about? So I, I I think I'm with you on Devers. I'm not sure if I'm with you on Pete Alonso. Zips is. I mean, it's tough because Pete Alonso doesn't have like the huge track record or anything, and you know a lot of people thought that his 2019 was maybe unexpected, unexpectedly high, right? Unexpectedly good given the minor league track record. But I'm I'm just like his zips has him with like 339 on base, you know, which sort of splits the difference between his between 2020 and 2019, and a 524 slugging, which seems probably right. But like, doesn't that that on base could be like a little low, and that could end up being like you know a pretty useful bump, right? And like if you're saying he's right at it, I, the question I have, and it's going to be like a theme for me in this in this episode is. I, I I wonder how confident you feel that you'll be able to find in the auction draft a $39 Pete Alonso with, you know, a little bit more upside than that value. I, I, I don't think you can at first base necessarily, but right. the, the good news is because he's got Lau on the team. And I agree with Chad, like, yeah, if you cut Devers and Alonso, it's not like you have stars at first and third to replace them with already right. on this roster. But this 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 manager does have Nate Lau at first base, so he can be, worst case scenario, you you add a couple cheap first basemen at the auction and you run a three-person platoon at first base and DH. Same thing with Devers, worst case scenario, 
if you get blocked out at the auction trying to find a new third baseman, he does have Hunter Dozier, who's third base eligible. Like, no, I don't want to play Hunter Dozier and count on him as my third baseman. But I feel like there are some teams that at least that I've had in the past where I might make a keep decision here where I have no alternative, right? And I don't want to go speculating on the market at all. That's not quite this situation. He does have a couple options. They're not great options, but they exist. And also, I I took a look at the free agents in this league, and obviously we're you know we're still a couple weeks from the keeper deadline. Not everybody's been cut yet. Josh Bell is already out there as a first base option. I don't know what Josh Bell's going to go for in this auction. I'm willing to bet it's a lot less than what Pete Alonso costs him right now, and a lot less than what Pete Alonso is going to go for at the auction. But I would be perfectly fine cutting Alonso rebidding on Alonso. Maybe he goes cheaper or bidding on Bell and taking a $15 to $20 Josh Bell and a $25 savings to the bank and and go buy an outfielder with those extra $24, $25 or go buy a third baseman with those extra $24, $25. And I think you're going to be better off than keeping Alonso. You know, just for some additional context that I hadn't realized until I was looking at it right now, I was looking at the free agents tab to see who was available in this league. And I saw Fernando Tatis at the top and my heart skipped a beat. And I went, why is Tatis available? Well, this is a vote off league. I just realized. And the way the rosters are exported uh, for Audenew. And I, I love that it does this now. Anyone that was voted off does show up as a free agent in the surplus calculator. But so that, that might change things a little bit for me in the sense that what actually is available at auction might be better than it in most other leagues that are not vote off because you have those players thrown back. And yes, the original manager is going to get a chance to get them back for what, $5 less than the high bid, right? So if they win the high bid, they'll actually get a $5 discount on that player. But there's some big names available that are uh, sort of unusual for a league of this, of this, you know, how, for as long as this league has been around. So that might change things a little bit. That might make me lean more towards keeping Devers, but I think I would probably cut Alonzo no matter what or or trade him, of course. And and all the discussion we're going to have tonight, there's always the presumption of, sure, trade anybody that we're saying cut. You obviously should try to get something for them if you can. But if you can't, I would trade him and throw him back. And yeah, Pete Alonzo could go back to doing what he did in 2019 and then 2020 is just a fluke year for him. He's also playing the position that is the most easily replaced by other good options. So another another option for this team, by the way, as they're looking at trades, is there is on the the trade block for a team called Fidelio, a forty six dollar Freddie Freeman. I don't know what it's going to take to get him. I don't know what that owner is looking for in trades, but I'd be intrigued by that. I would rather have a forty six dollar Freddie Freeman than a thirty nine dollar Pete Alonso. And I think you can, I think it's worth the extra $7 to get what I think is a pretty sizable upgrade there. And he may not be that expensive because that owner may be in a similar position where they're trying to figure out how they're going to get down under the cap and a lo- and Freeman may be a guy they can move. So do you, the other thing, you know, when we're looking at this team at a whole, and I think, you know, we, we're starting talking about Devers and Alonso and that's like where we started. They have some interesting pitching, right? I think there's some, ha- some like excitement for what kind of pitching they have but and and I know we're going to go into the pitching in detail but to me like it it does it does look like this team needs probably a top end offensive player and a top end pitcher and so I think that's probably important context to give when we're talking about 
when Chad mentions like getting that $25 savings, like that's money that you can then use to go and acquire that. So when we're looking at the team overall, like there, there's good pitching for sure. And there's a lot of surplus there. I still come on the, like that production from Pete Alonso might be hard to replace. I see Chad's point on Freddie Freeman, but like the, the question, like, Look, this money. This guy already has a lot of money. Like this, sorry, this team already has a lot of money in the bank. So this is a really well positioned team for going to auction already. So when I find myself in situations like this, and now again, this is like an ongoing theme here. Justin is making the smart decision, and I'm making like sort of the more certainty driven decision. Where where I I think there's probably I think you guys are probably right that the right call is probably to move on from Alonzo and and Devers and try to use that money to get something even a higher tier like to Freddie Freeman point or whatever ends up being cut because there's always someone like a Bryce Harper out there or whatever right but at the same time like you have $102 going into auction already right does 25 more dollars help you like what do you guys do in that situation well, I'm very rarely in a situation going to auction that I have that much money uh, but when I do, like, if you keep it really simple, to me, that seems to be... I, I actually think when you've got that much money, one of the things that offers you the opportunity to do, especially if he then goes and cuts those two guys, right? He cuts Devers and Alonzo, and he's going to be... And then there's a couple other got cuts he might be able to make. He could walk into this auction with 200 right. bucks to spend, and nobody else has more than 100 potentially. Right. And that and, and all of those other teams are already earmarking 30 bucks, let's say, to buy back the guy that they lost in the vote-off, right? And so there's a good chance that a lot of them are going to spend there. Really Point. Yeah. I think you're in a position where you could potentially bully people a little bit. And part of that, part of the way, the way I would bully people is not so much going out and saying like, well, I want this first base and so I'm going to spend whatever it takes to get him. But to say, okay, Alonzo's out there. Josh Bell is out there. Maybe a couple other first basemen are out there. I'm just going to spend and I'm going to get the best value of them because I know that when it comes time to spend on them, I'm going to have the money to do it and maybe no one else will. And I think there's some... When you have that much cash, the flexibility of not being tied in to Alonso is my first baseman, Devers is my third baseman, is actually really valuable. They may end up being the best values, and you may end up spending to get them back. But honestly, if your downside is that you spend 41 bucks instead of 39 bucks to get one of them back, I'm not sure that's such a bad risk to take for the upside of maybe getting them if back that's for like, $5 or $10 less or getting a better option. that's absolutely the worst case scenario, right? And then also you get to say Fernando TD's. Fernando Tatis comes through you, right? Like, yeah. whoever, like, because of the vote-off dynamic that Justin mentioned, like, that, that is a real, that's a real important aspect to this. Like, if you have $200 going into it, like, that money can really work for you when you know everyone has one or two stars that they're going to want to reacquire. Yeah. And, and your spend. star is, 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 is Randy Azarina. Oh, man, I butchered that name. Arena. And so, like, you have an opportunity there where you're not... This is not going to be a fifty dollars player, right? So, like, you're not looking at a thing where your your vote off guy is going to be so expensive. Fernando Tatis is going to be expensive, and so you're not looking at like gaining twelve dollars on a Rosarina, or you're losing looking at about adding about ten dollars there, not fifty dollars there, and then you and then your flexibility allows you to really bully everyone else who has a voted off player that might be interesting to you. 
I, and I would for this owner, I would this manager, I would have them spend some time on the trade block because there was another team, and yeah. I'm blanking which team it was, that has everybody dings this, I think, is it? Yeah. They basically said they've got a, a few guys, Sonny Gray, Mookie, Jordan, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Santander, and Matt Chapman, who they're not moving, and everyone else is potentially available. One of the everyone else is a $27 Reese Hoskins. I would go inquire on him. $27 Reese Hoskins versus the $39 on Alonzo. Mm-hmm. That's an upgrade. Even if it means I have to cut Alonzo, I think that's that's worthwhile. So I, I'm, I think this team is in a position to cut back, have a lot of money to spend. I think Justin's point at the beginning that they're, they're sort of sitting eighth-ish right now based on projected keepers. But eighth-ish with money to spend, especially in a vote-off league, I don't think that I think it's a pretty good position. I would play around on the trade block a little bit. I think this team could use some outfield help as well. And I think there, there's an $8 Jock Peterson on the block. There's a Byron Buxton who I think was like $12 or $13 and isn't a bad buy. Like there's some guys out there that I think you can go. You can add for, for the $39 you're spending on Alonzo, you could add three other players who are not as good but are going to fill in multiple roles on your team and allow you to enter the draft with a lot of draft capital to spend and be well positioned to to move up from that eighth place projection to being in the running. And and I think the good news here is we're not talking about a roster that I think I'm 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 sure this manager isn't expecting to necessarily compete right away this year. It certainly doesn't look like they will from my perspective unless things go really right with trades the rest of the way and at auction. But that's not such a bad thing. It means you don't have as much pressure to go to auction and win those studs or you know, have a certain type of makeup on your roster because you need to fill your games and you need to fill your innings and you need to compete every bit of the season. So maybe that means you are more likely to say, well, I'll keep Devers because I believe he's still young. He's, you know, he's, he could be a $40 third baseman, so I'll keep him at 38. And if he's not, then I cut him and I recycle and go into next season with an open spot. I don't, you could also make that same argument for Alonzo. I just don't, I don't know that I'd want to take as much of a risk at first base there. And I don't, you know, Niv, that was an interesting point you brought up earlier. The fact that this, this roster is constructed in an interesting way because the highest dollar value player, according to the surplus calculator on this roster is Devers at $30. Every other player is under $30 valuation per the surplus calculator. So it's kind of interesting. They're just really lacking that upper end talent. Yeah. And so my my big focus then is if I'm looking at this team and, I, and I'm running this team and I'm saying I want to win, I'm not going to win this year. I want to win next year or be right in the mix next year. I'm going to need, I don't need studs, but it's it really, you can't run $20 players everywhere and expect to, you know, really outcompete other, everybody else in your league. So you're going to need a couple guys that are above that level. Well, who is that? And who is on my roster that might be that player? And if I don't see a lot of those names, then I need to get them. Am I going to get them at auction? I don't know. Maybe not. So what can I get at, at focus my keeper priorities on what will allow me to get those players in the future? Maybe it's keeping more of these prospects, the Nolan Jones, Taylor, Taylor Trammell, Drew Waters, focusing on... Um, hoping that Joe Adele bounces back to what we all thought he was going to be. And you hold tight on all these young players. And if only a few of them break out, that's fine. You can use those guys 
and and push everybody else aside next year. So the I disagree a little bit that this team isn't in a position to compete this year. I actually think like when I look at this roster, you're right, they're missing that high-end talent, but Conforto, Kepler, Will Smith at catcher, Hunter Dozier is a really solid sort of extra third baseman, back of your outfield type. We've talked about Nate Lau. You just talked about Adele and Nolan Jones and Taylor Trammell. They potentially get a Rosarena back. Like, there's a lot of that base talent that you need underneath your stars and the bats. And same thing in the arms. You've got, you know, Luis Castillo might be a little bit overpriced, but I, I really like Castillo. Musgrove, I think, is a good value. Wheeler, I think, is a good value. Brandon Woodruff is a great value there. Pearson and Mize have a ton of upside where they are. There's enough baseline there with cash to spend that, yes, this team is going to need some things to break right, but everybody needs some things to break right. And if this team gets what they theoretically could get out of Mize and Pearson and Adele and Jones and all of those guys, plus they spend well at auction, I absolutely think they could compete this year. Now, I think if I'm in their shoes, what I'd be looking at is spend at auction on those studs because either my young guys break out, the studs accent them, and I'm in the mix – or my young guys don't break out and those studs I buy become the trade chips I need to be really setting myself up to win in 2022. I think you can play a little bit of both ways there. Well, my, my counter argument to your counter argument is that the league context matters a lot to me when, when, when you say that. I don't disagree with anything you just said in a context neutral situation. But in this league, there are two teams that I'm showing on the surplus calculator at $480 in projected team value and above. Those are strong teams. So seeing that it's, it's not just how good can his team be or their team be. It's how good is everyone else's team. And I think there are two very strong favorites right off the bat. And if I see that, I'm thinking, well, if, if I was in a different league context and first place was only $420 in projected value, the story would be different. I'd be more on Chad's side here. I'd say you could creatively find values at auction and be right in the mix. But I don't think that in this particular league, that's that's going to be the case. And and if we wanted to talk, we, we talked a lot about Devers and Alonzo, but if we wanted to quickly go over some of the pitcher information here, I'd probably cut Urquidy and try to trade Soraka. And I mean, Brad Keller's probably not going to fetch anything in return, but I would probably try to trade Soraka. Obviously the injury issue. I also just don't think even before getting injured, I don't think he was quite as good as the market thought he was. So I was already a little low on him. So I'd see if somebody else is a believer and might be willing to trade you a keeper for him. But there's a lot of other, there's a decent amount of other depth. I especially like Brandon Woodruff as a $9 ace on this team. He's only projected to be worth 26, but that's still solid. And you can, I mean, there's always going to be some pitching available at auction that you could, you could find someone better than him. And he's now your number two. And that's a very strong number two. I don't know if, if you guys have thoughts on the pitching in specific on this team. I think that makes sense. I mean, I think the, you know, yeah, he did, he did ask about some guys like, Soroka, who I'm just not a fan of, who I would cut. But I think in general, I'd be pretty harsh on the pitching in terms of who I cut and who I keep. Because I think he's got a lot of borderline guys that I'm just not that excited about. But I do think Woodruff and 
Musgrove, Castillo, if you keep him, plus the potential upside from Pearson and Mize, like I talked about before, I think is pretty fun. Uh, I think that there's a really good base there. I know that there, there's some good reason to believe in a Jordan Montgomery breakout. I'm not a huge fan, but I get, I, I can understand keeping him at $3. I, I think this team's pitching. It's it's similar to the hitting. I think it's in it's in a good position as long as you accent it with the right high end pieces, and I think you can do that. He, now they also had a, a component of their uh, request was he they mentioned that they're typically going to do a bullpen re- reset at the deadline and and cycle kind of wash out all the receiver relievers and 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 add a new bullpen from scratch. But they mentioned that they liked some of the receivers they had that sort of popped up this year and wanted to know should they roll with them or should they do the same strategy and throw them back and and try to do better at auction now from my perspective i think taylor rogers is on this roster at seven dollars he's fifteen dollars on the surplus calculator i think he's a keep i think diego castillo is probably a keep his salary is only four dollars those are the only two that i see that are probably clear keeps I don't know if there's anything else you see, Chad or Niv, as far as the the bullpen here and, and who you might want to speculate on. I, I like resetting the bullpen. I like doing that for emotional reasons, which are just simply going through a year of bullpen stress of certain players and wanting to have new players to have to stress about. It makes total sense to me. Like, it's just like, that's a mental thing for me. But I also think like, you know, bullpen bullpens are important and they're really valuable to to build across all auto new formats i think but your your value there that you should really always get guys that are like one to three dollars that can fill out the back end of your bullpen so i agree like you know if you have a guy like rogers or whatever that's just showing that much surplus like there's obviously top top guys that are worth spending on but falling in love with someone that's like a four dollar reliever just to have to deal with another year of stress from them. I'd rather, I'd rather save like the money there. And again, that money in aggregate, I, you know, Chad makes some really good points about like adding the money at the high end with, with Devers and, and Alonzo, but like this bullpen money in aggregate is like an extra 15 bucks. Right. And like, if you're talking like that's real money, that's, that's really helpful in aggregate. So I think I, I would probably go a reset. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, other than those two, Rogers and Castillo, I'd be fine rolling into auction with just those two, and then just build out the back end with. Yeah, I, cheap I could pieces. see, I could see keeping Sims and Peralta as well. Sims uh, is going to move up the pecking order in that bullpen. Yeah, a three dollars Sims doesn't bother me too much there because I don't think you get them for much cheaper. Yeah, and they they. they They've moved on from from Iglesias, and so I think there's an opportunity for him to be a, a little bit more in the mix for later innings and more either more holds or potentially even saves. And, and Peralta, I think, is just potentially falls into a multi-inning, super effective middle relief kind of guy, and those guys can be super valuable. I'm not going to lose sleep over it if this manager decides to cut those guys, but I I get it on them. I could totally see wanting to keep them. I wish I could advise keeping Klasa. I'm excited about to see what he does now that he's coming back. But I just, I think $4 on a guy who missed a full year and I I just, I'm out. I'd, I'd, you know, see if you can get him back at auction cheaper. Yeah. 
All right, let's let's move on to our second so team. Real quick, real quick, though, before we move on, I just want to say one last thing. So you were talking about the two teams that are much better from a surplus standpoint. I was looking at those teams. I was trying to get a sense of like how how far ahead are they really? And I'm not sure that I think at least one of them is actually as great as it looks on paper or on an aggregate. That team has 28 of their dollars of surplus tied up in Yasmani Grandal, Dalton Varsho, and Alejandro Kirk, who are not worth $28 of surplus combined. It's not possible because you can't use right. them all enough to get that. Besides yep. the fact that Varsho and Kirk might be worth literally nothing. I don't think they will. I think they're both good players. I like them both. I have them both in rosters. But that's a lot of money tied up in just catcher. And then they've got like they've got another $12 in Ryan Presley, who I don't think is going to be the closer there, given that Houston well, without... being tied with pitchers. And so I just think as you look at some of these teams, the teams that look like they're far ahead, at least that one, the other one looks a little bit more real to me. But I just, I, I guess the, the, the meta point I'm trying to make here, the bigger point I'm trying to make here is I wouldn't get yourself caught up in like, oh, these two teams look like they're so much better. There's no reason for me to compete. I think you got to ask yourself if you think you can get your team to a position where you believe it's a competitive team. And let the other teams worry about their teams a little bit. Because I don't, I think in this case, if you just look at that, if you're in the surplus calculator and all I look at is the team totals tab, I agree with you. There are two teams that clearly stand out. When I go into their rosters, I look at them and I'm like, okay, there's a lot that has to go right for them still. There's a lot that could go wrong. There's a lot tied up in weird places. And, And I would... I don't know. I, I think if you think you can make your team competitive, you try to make your team competitive and then see how things play out for a couple months before you just assume that there's two teams that are prohibitive favorites. I, I think just to piggyback on that, and I mean, we, we really do need to move to the next team, but just to piggyback on that and related to, I think, something I mentioned in the last episode, we all talked about it. We all agreed on the last episode when we had the, the Q&A stuff. This team is on schedule to compete this year. Right. I think Justin's point is correct. There's obviously two teams with very good surplus ahead of them. But when you put the strategy together that Chad suggested, where you you have 100 to 150 dollars going into auction, maybe even 200 dollars if you decide to move on at both corners, like this team is on schedule given the it has the foundational pieces and it just needs the top end talent, which you can acquire at auction. So it's on schedule. So it doesn't really matter. If there are other teams out there, you have to see how the first month, the first two months of the season just go in 2021, but you're on schedule and like missing, like you can quickly become off schedule. If you miss the window you have to compete, if you decide you want to hold back your, your punches for 2022, you don't know what happens with your younger players. You don't know if you believe in them as much. You don't know if one of these guys gets voted off your team that you don't get to be able to pull back. So you're on schedule right now. So I would just say, I would just say, go for it. Like you have to really commit yourself to those on schedule moments. They don't come around that often. Okay. I don't agree with some of what Nim and Chad say, but that's fine. <laughs> Sometimes I'm the, I'm the data driven contrarian or the robotic contrarian. Two really. more, two more teams to go through <laughs> to, the, to, uh... to, to make, yeah, back and forths on. The next one is it's from league 389 whose league name is League Name Goes Here. Very clever. It's another Fangraphs Points League. This team is Judge and Drury. And just like I did last time, I'm going to give my quick surplus calculator data. The surplus calculator has this team in last. And then the league as a whole at about 25% expected inflation. So not a less inflation than the last league, I would say. But to me, this is this is definitely a roster that is in 
rebuilding mode for sure. I know, Chad. I, I, th- I think I think you agree with me there, Chad. That this is this one is definitely one that needs to focus on rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, the, the note I made in our little spreadsheet said I think they need to tear this thing down to the studs and and sort of build from scratch. And there's uh, the other note I made was that you know the team is called Judge and Drury. It's time to change the team name because you need to move on from your fifty dollar Aaron Judge. <laughs> he's he's not doing you any good. He's a nice you know a fifty dollar Aaron Judge is a nice last piece to add to a team ready to compete at the auction where you really need a big bat. He's not a guy you want to be keeping. $67 Harper at the top of this team needs well, to hold on. go. Hold on, hold on. When we talk about keeping, obviously you put him on the block right now today. But for this team, my question, and, I, and you know, Chad, I'm going to let you run with this. When you have a $50 Aaron Judge, let's use that as, as the example. Do you keep with the express intent of trading in June or July, or do you trade now or do you just cut and try to do stuff at the auction? Because I'll let you run with it because we, you know, when we look at this team as a whole, like there's a lot of different ways to go with it. So I, I think, I think judge is actually the wrong example to use there. Cause I just don't think Aaron judge is close to a $50 player. And I don't Fair think enough. he goes for $50 at auction. I think, if you're a team looking to rebuild, having an overpriced Aaron Judge on your roster in June is not a bad place to be. But I think you could have a 40 or $45 overpriced Aaron Judge on your roster right, in June right. instead of a $50. So I'd get rid of him anyways. I think you have better questions with like a Bryce Harper at $67 even. Uh, Xander Bogart's at 38. His top two paid pitchers are Trevor Bauer and Aaron Nola at 31 and 28. Like, I think those are good examples of guys who might be overpriced. They're not, the team's not good enough for those guys to help them win. But I'm not sure you're going to do better at auction with $31 than you're going to do trading Trevor Bauer in right, three so, to four months at thirty so, with thirty-one dollars so, for the loan. And I think the difference between this team and the last team for me, if this team had a thirty-nine dollar Pete Alonzo, I'd probably tell them to keep. And the difference between this team and the last team for me is I don't think this team has a clear path to getting themselves into contention this year. The last team I thought did. And if you've got a clear path to getting into contention, holding Pete Alonzo when he's overpriced just to dump him in a trade later isn't necessarily going to help you compete. Whereas in this case, if I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking what's going to tee me up for a 2022 that's really successful, I'm not sure you're going to do better than a $31 Trevor Bauer at auction in terms of a piece that you can turn around and trade later. Now, so this I might shop is, Bauer now. This um, team is yeah. nine, has nine roster spots and is under cap currently 369 out of 400. So I, all, all that is what you said, Chad. I don't disagree with any of it. I just wonder, like, so so this is a tear it down situation, right? Like, I think we all agreed. Like, this team has an interesting opportunity to tear it down, though. So let's 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 talk about rebuilds a little bit, because this team is a clear rebuild, but they have they have assets that putting the dollar price aside, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Bauer, Aaron Nola, like. There now you have you basically have defined the midseason trade deadline with those five assets. Now I'm not saying necessarily keep those five assets or try to do better at the auction with, but I think the way you think about it, if you're if you're managing this team, is you probably want to collect four or five assets that you can trade in June or July, right? Like and 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 make it so the trade dead like in the same way that we talked about the previous team. 
Fernando Tatis at the auction goes through you. In this situation, contenders buying go through you. Don't package any of those players. Sell one of them to each of the three top teams, three or four top teams. Get everyone's surplus, right? Like, or everyone's upside. Like, is that? I think that's the way I would approach it with this team. Like, I, 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 I don't. I do believe that that is a very good strategy for a rebuilding team. Yes, to have an asset that is overpriced. It's not something that's going to be a part of your contending team in the following season or in two years. I agree. My only issue with that is when you have a, somebody like Bryce Harper, if you really think he's only a 40 to $45 outfielder and he's costing you $67, even with inflation, he's $10 overpriced. And cutting him doesn't forego the opportunity to, to re-add him to then trade him. You're, you're basically, you still have the option to do that. And because you're the one cutting him, you're determining he's definitely going to be available at auction. So I think there's a couple different mechanisms there. Number one, you're putting more top-end talent in the pool that the, all those teams that are competing are going to focus on. And maybe that that has a trickle-down effect on the other mid-tier players that you can acquire at a better price because everyone else is chasing after more guys at the top end. Number two, you could win him back. And, and, and maybe you win him back for $63 instead of $67. And you're okay overpaying a little bit because you are explicitly buying him to trade him at the at the at the deadline or midsummer or whatever. So yeah, if, if it's if it's a close situation, like in my notes, Sander Bogarts, he's he's par as far as inflation adjusted surplus in this league. So I would absolutely keep him. There's no need to cut him because you don't have the pressure to compete and you need to fill other holes. Keep him. He's an asset. You could probably trade him. Or if he does better this year than the projections expect, he could be something he's close enough to that price. And that's the other part of it is I sometimes when I make that strategy where I'm I'm have a stud and I my intention is to trade them, sometimes they do better, they 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 bounce back or they have a secondary breakout and if they're close enough to that price to begin with, I have a better chance of realizing that breakout in terms of actually keeping them on my team. So for me, like everything else, it's price sensitivity. If they're so far over the price that I think that they're worth even if I intend to have that strategy where I'm trading high place, high priced players to get surplus in the middle of the season, I'm still not keeping somebody that's that's the delta is that wide, and it will affect what you're getting back in trade. Yes, you're trading him with a loan, but if the other team knows that that guy's clearly a rental and he's not going to keep him either, that does impact the return you're going to get. Yeah, I think the thing is that when you're talking about the value in terms of whether you keep a guy to trade him and what their trade value is going to be. Market value matters more than projected value in that case, because what you're really getting to is what are they going to go for at auction? If you go into the Fangraphs leaderboard with sortable stats for this league, the most expensive players in this league, batters, most expensive hitters, let's focus on that, $94 Mike Trout, $67 Harper, $59 Acuna, $59 Yelich, $58 Betts, $58 Arenado, $50 Jose Ramirez, Juan Soto, and Aaron Judge, all at $50. There are a lot $50 plus players in here. This is a league where the market dynamics seem to dictate that your top guys, like there's the a whole steep league curve. Is, the whole league is stars and scrubs kind of totally. thing. Totally. And so that's where, to me, I think Judge hasn't actually lived up to being that good a guy. And that's why I think at that $50, he's not worth it. Whereas Harper. At $67 being sort of a second tier to himself between 
him and Trout and and everyone else, I don't think is that crazy if he's a free agent. Because if I look down at these what these prices are, like Soto's not going to be out there. And if Soto's not out there, I'm not sure how many other players are going to get paid at that level anyways. So I think that you need to t- sort of get a sense of in this league, does this guy go for that much? And I, I still think I'd probably cut Harper. And, and if I don't get him back, I'll get somebody else for less than that $67 that I can still trade for an awful lot in a few months. But I think it's not just that I think Harper's a $50 player instead of a $67 player, and so he's overpriced. This league sort of dictates that those stars go for a lot more money. Wouldn't that also be an argument to throw him back and, and cause... You know, if, if if he was like, I don't know, I, I feel like you can play it both ways, because to me, yes, I see that there are a lot of heavy prices in this league, but that doesn't mean that just because I think he will go for sixty seven dollars in the auction that I'm going to necessarily keep him, yeah, even even that- if I'm only doing that to trade him. I, I still feel like I, I have to have some component of what do I think this player I think should the challenge. Be I agree. I think the challenge, though, is if I cut a $67 Harper and he goes for, let's say he just goes for 68, 69, 70 bucks, something like that at auction anyways. Okay. And in a case where I'm rebuilding, I'm going to end up like buying three guys at 25 bucks instead of him at his price. Isn't really what's going to help me rebuild. Those guys are going to have less trade value. I think now if I get three guys at 25 bucks who are actually worth 40, great. But I don't think I can rely on that or assume that that's what's going to happen. And so I just don't know that I'm going to get the value back in this case. I think I might get more value back by just sitting on him and trading him. I'm not sure I'm convinced of that. Like I said, I still think I would cut Harper here because I still think you can do better. If, If it were a, again, looking at this league, if it were that $59 Acuna, who I also think is way overpriced, I don't know, Acuna going as the sort of, you know, a $59, $60 player based on what I'm seeing in this league, I think is pretty likely. And even though I think that's overpriced, I think I'd be more likely to want to keep a $59 Acuna and trade him than, than cut him and have that money available to me and bring back less value than I could get for the three stud prospects I might get for, a, for Acuna in a month. Maybe, maybe. I, 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 to me, again, it's not just what you could get if you keep him. It's by throwing him back. I, I don't see it as a, you know, you, you throw him back, he goes for more than you cut him at, then that's that's great news for you. <laughs> that that means there's great other news for you. I, I, I see. I disagree. From my perspective, that means that there's other value that can be acquired in that auction draft that you can take advantage of. But and, goes- and it doesn't always have to be prospects to rebuild sometimes it's finding those $15 players that break out into $30 players and you give yourself a better chance of doing that if you have if you could take more shots at the auction yes but that fit like let's say he goes for an extra seven dollars let's call it an extra six dollars right something like that 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 to you as an individual team is like a 50 cent value you're getting you're getting almost nothing for the extra money that he goes for because the amount of money it takes out of the auction spread out across the other 11 teams competing just isn't meaningful. So unless that, that you is, think he's going to go for like 30 extra dollars, but if you think he's going to go for 30 extra dollars, you should hold him <laughs> and you should trade him because he is worth way too much at but that it, point. But I guess my point, you're right. In a, in a single case, you're absolutely right. 
the effect that's going to have on your ability to accumulate surplus or accumulate value in that draft, yes. But if you're making the argument that this particular league has a steep salary curve, then I want to push as many players as possible to be available at the high end of that salary curve because the steep salary curve means that the players in the middle and the bottom are are going for less than they should. So I want to push more of them to the top so that I can get more of them in the middle. But I don't think putting Harper out there or, or Judge out there or whatever helps with that. Because you're increasing the supply of those star players, which means that early on in the draft, like if there's only two studs out there, those two studs are going to go for exorbitant prices in this league based on what I'm seeing. If there are eight studs out there, the two first guys who go might not go for exorbitant prices because people are waiting to see what's going to happen later. Oh, I can I can miss out on Judge and get Harper later. I can miss out on this guy and get this guy later. I I don't I just don't think that the dynamics are as simple as oh I want more I want to push more guys out there. When you push more guys out there, it changes the dynamics in the auction and shifts the way those dollars get spent anyways. I mean and that's so not I, what... at the end of the day, I still look at it as if I push this guy out there and he goes for ten more dollars than he otherwise should, that's a one dollar benefit to me. And it is could I do better than a one dollar benefit by just holding him and trading him, by trading him now? That's not why I'm throwing back out into auction. I'm throwing about back out into auction because I don't think they're worth keeping. But the ancillary benefit of me throwing them back out there is that it might drive down some value at, at the at the exact spot in the auction where I want to be trying to find value. It's not at the top end. It's it's in the middle and lower tiers. So let's let's talk about one other aspect of this team before we move on. It's a hundred dollar league. It's a hundred dollar buy in league. So there's pretty good prizes involved with this. Do you guys think that that changes the way you think about so let me put it this way like i think you there's like multiple ways of thinking about how to get return right in a mid-season trade and justin makes a really good point that if the player seems more keepable you certainly will get more value back and i think that's that's absolutely true like if a player has is if you're trading a player with surplus, you should expect to get more back. If playing some paying trading someone at par versus someone who's super overpaid, you should get more for the player that's at the right price, right? But do you think there's something to the idea that in a hundred dollar buy-in league, the top two, three or f- maybe even five teams, depending on how things shake out, are more motivated to make that deal, and thus maybe that can help you with the return? Yeah, I do actually. I hadn't noticed that this was a, a prize league, and, and I hadn't noticed it was a hundred dollar. Yeah, I, I kept that one just to just to twist you at the very end. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that would make a difference. That might make me more likely to overspend a little bit compared to yeah. what I would normally be comfortable with, knowing that there might be a stronger market because when there's real money on the line, rather than playing for pride and playing for first you're not just trying to sell to people that are trying to win the league you're selling to people that are trying to finish third to make their money back i would i'd i I would just i would caution that i think it's it's less about it being a hundred dollar league or whatever and more about what are the individual dynamics of the league and the, the only reason i would caution that is without naming names league one we've got a a pretty nice pot going every year and there's at least one owner in the league and I, Niv, I think you know who I'm talking about, who could not care less about making his money back every year. He wants to win when he can win. <laughs> yeah. And and so he's, and you know, the, the right money because, isn't, the, isn't the factor for him. Right. right? And, and I, I think that's, that's right, because I think what I would, the sorry, the advice I would give this owner, ha- having said everything that Justin and Chad went back and forth on, is fundamentally, 
if you've been in this league for a couple of years, you have an idea of what trade deadlines look like. And I think that really, and I think that really has to power the way you think about it. Justin, like how lenient are you willing to be with, with Harper? I guess it's the one that we've decided to land on to really fixate on because, you know, I think their Bogarts is, is an absolute keep. Bauer and Noll are, are just keeps like that's like, those are assets. They're, they're right at it, but you know, Bauer and Harper are probably the two ones that you're like, and I guess Nola, depending on where you are on him, are like, where, where does your deadline fall every year? How does it play out? Are people aggressive in your league? Are people opportunistically aggressive? Are people really passive and they try to build their team in auction? If this is a, te- if this is a league where that uh, $100 prize pool combined with aggressive owners makes a really lively June and July. I, I think that really dictates what you do with, with Bryce Harper and what you do with Aaron Nola. Like, I think those assets become easier keeps in that scenario. I think, you know, the discussion Justin and Chad had is exactly the right way to think about it. Uh, those are the two sides of the coin in terms of putting higher price assets out there or whatever. But it fundamentally comes down to, do you think you can make a deal at the deadline? What are the shapes of the deals that have worked out in the deadline for the selling team? You're going to be a seller at the deadline. I'm sorry to break that to you. That's just the reality of it. So how do we plan for that? I think that's the way to think about yeah, it. I think to, to, to get a little bit more tactical, I think I've given a lot of sort of like, well, I would look at this, I would consider this. If I were managing this team, I would... I would probably keep Bauer and Nola. I would cut almost everyone else expensive. And I'm looking like I want to keep Teoscar Hernandez. I want to keep Ryan Mountcastle, Brandon Nimmo, Travis Arnault, probably Marco Gonzalez, who I'm higher on than most. And then a bunch of the prospects I would keep. And I might just sort of get rid of almost everything else. Really tear that. Like when I said tear this down to the studs, I meant really tear this down to the studs. And then use that auction to buy back those trade assets and to be really opportunistic about like when everybody spends 60 bucks on the top bats, I'm going to, you know, maybe I buy one of them. Maybe if I have enough money, I buy two of them because I want them for trade assets. But then look for those 30 and $40 guys who go for 20 and $30 if they're out there. Be super opportunistic on them. Get as many of them as they can and set yourself up really, really well for the future. It's really interesting if you can flood the market with expensive players and also have the most money. Like that's a very interesting place to be at the draft when when you're doing the strategy that Chad just mentioned. Um, so, sorry, Justin, are you? No, 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 that's okay. I, I didn't realize I was muted, but okay. we, why don't we move on to the next one? Yeah. The next team we're going to look at is in League 244. Uh, the league name is Glove Conquers Ball, and the team that we're specifically going to look at and discuss is called Trouble with the Curve. This is yet again another Fangraphs Points League. The surplus calculator shows this team is projected as the fourth best keepers, and about 25, 30% expected inflation is sort of in the middle. So similar inflation to the first two, kind of in between the first two. But unlike the other two that we discussed, this one looks like a clear contender, at least as far as, as being in the mix to me. But there's some interesting roster dynamics to this team They're, that they we haven't, should discuss. This team bought last season and has not made any cuts yet. So they're sitting at 502 and 38 roster spots. So they have... They have work to do, but it's a good place to be in with this team, I think. 
Yeah, and I think that they have work to do, but it's all it's all doable work. It's, the, the, it's the fun comment, work. What'd you say? It's fun work. It's like, yeah. uh, I mean, given the assets they have. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that this this manager, when they posted on the forum to ask, said they've been going for it for four straight years that are low on surplus. They don't feel that low on surplus. And I get sort of why they feel that way. I wish um, I was this low on surplus. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they've got a, a really interesting start of a rotation, maybe even a really interesting rotation, right? If you, yeah. they've, got, they've got a $52 DeGrom at the top. Now, given their cap situation, maybe they need to get rid of DeGrom. I'm not exactly sure they do, but let's assume they do. You're still going with a $16 Jack Flaherty, a $15 Corbin Burns, a $9 Hyunjin Ryu, $7 Gaussman, $7 Paddock, a $4 Pablo Lopez. I'm not super high on Dean Kramer, but I know some people are at $4. A $3 Tyler Molly. Like, there are some fun pieces to start a rotation there, if not to finish one if you it just even keep man- DeGrom. Mention Morion, like the three dollar Adrian Morion down yeah. there. Like, there's fun move, pitching. I, I, yeah, there, there's some there's some interesting pieces. I mentioned on the, one of the other teams that Jordan Montgomery. I know there's some some breakout potential there. He's got a three dollar Jordan Montgomery here as well. So like some really fun pieces there. I think the interesting thing with this team is they've got some really fun bats as well. And Ian Happ, Keston here, Fred Mill Reyes, Wilson Contreras, Miguel Sano, Joey Gallo, like a bunch of guys I, I like. None of them are that cheap. The one who stands out to me as pretty cheap is the the fourteen dollar Fran Mill Reyes, who I think is is better than he showed last year. He got off to a really slow start and then really picked it up. But like, I really like Ian Happ, but he's nineteen dollars. I really like Keston Hira, but at seventeen dollars, he's sort of he, you're you're paying for him to reestablish himself rather than paying for the upside of what happens if he reestablishes himself. Miguel Snow at twenty five dollars is in, in a similar boat. And so I think this team actually has more work to do on the offensive side than the pitching side. But I also think they've got some pretty clear cuts and can can drive themselves back under the cap. I mean, I, I made a list of players here. Blackman, Marte, Kutch, Aaron Judge, Weaver, O'Neill, Donaldson, Urquidy, and Kramer are just a group of guys who I think they can just move on from that's $192 cleared off their cap from nine cuts. That leaves them with 90 bucks to spend at auction. And that did not include cutting DeGrom there, right? So that leaves them with, I think, a rotation that is already built that you can go spend a few bucks here or there to accent and maybe pick up some guys with some upside who you think might make it better. But like you've got a good rotation and then you've got money to spend at, at auction on bats. But you're starting from a place of, of I think, you know, you have it, you still, I'm not cutting that snow. I'm not cutting Gallo or Hap or here. I'm not cutting Fran Mill. I didn't talk about Wilson Contreras. I don't know if you want to cut him or not, but I think I would probably keep him. But you're, you're looking at a situation where you've got a lot of your, your infield pretty well set. You've got a couple of really good outfielders. You need a first baseman and you need a couple more outfielders, I think. But the team is ready to compete. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that to me, this is a lot of the, the, the discussion that we've had tonight has primarily been about those keep cut decisions. I think this is definitely the, the team of all the ones that we've discussed that really needs to hit the trade market hard. Shop some of those pitchers. There's so much depth here that he can, you know, that they can afford to move one or two of them. And the note that I had on here is even if you can move them for offensive value and offensive upgrades, even if it's not a clear improvement of the value that you're getting back, just exchanging some of that pitching value for hitting value at an equal 
margin is going to be more helpful to your team. Because as we've talked about a lot of times, and Chad made the point uh, a little bit earlier, that you know if you have three first base studs, you can't play them all. So they're not right. really actualizing all the value that you right. that you want them to. And yes, you need nine or 10 starting pitchers in, in Audenew to get through the season, but there are so many good pitchers on this team at, at good prices that I would feel comfortable moving one or two of them and actualizing more of your value where you really need it, which is on the hitting side. So, And I would see if you can get some interesting upside, like cheap upside bats. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think there's two ways you can go about it. I think you're, you're absolutely right that trading pitching for something that is not a clear surplus upside, but is a production upside makes sense. But I also look like there's a team that's got CJ Chrome, Bobby Dahlbeck, Hunter Dozier, all on the block at under Dahlbeck is $7, Dozier five, Crone $3. Like those guys are super interesting to me as players. That team also has Austin Slater on the block. Like those guys are interesting to me because I think you should be able to get them relatively inexpensively in a trade. And they just give you a little bit more upside in your offense and give you some depth so that when you go into the auction, you can spend on the big bats you need. We've talked about Pete Alonzo. There's a $26 Pete Alonzo on a team that I wonder if that owner would be open to moving them. They haven't updated their block in a while, so I don't really know. But it's guys like that that I'd be looking at to just just see if you can accent accent what you've got with a few interesting pieces. I'm still sort of poking around at the trade block now to see if there's any other sort of intriguing names out there. There's a $3 Heimer Candelario, I think is another interesting sort of on that that guys you can get relatively inexpensively who increase your offensive upside. And that's what I'd be doing, I think, doing both what Justin said and what I'm suggesting. I would go get solid, reliable, even if they don't bring you a lot of surplus bats who strengthen your lineup, and I would get inexpensive, bring you some upside, maybe don't even give you surplus based on the surplus calculator today, but give you potential surplus because of what they could do type guys. And, And that's how I would sort of try to grow your offense that way between now and the auction. Yeah, and, and and I don't know that they're going to be able to make the change that I'm about to recommend before the keeper deadline, but th- this team is also, they have young major league players, but there's only one prospect on this roster, and that's George Valera, and, and we don't need to have the 45-minute discussion that we already had offline about George Valera, but I think that that would be another avenue of of acquiring players on this team, whether that's before the deadline or once you get to auction. Um, is trying to collect two or three more prospects to use, hopefully as trade capital because you're making a push this season. Otherwise, if not trade capital, then retool pieces for next year. You know, it, it, that was one thing I noticed right away. There really wasn't a lot of, and and that's not always a bad thing. But I'd like to have at least a few guys, if possible, maybe one or two at the at a minimum as keepers, and then maybe one or two more at auction as far as players that are not in the major leagues already. I don't think I would over-index on that in trades only because I don't think it's the best place to focus your trade efforts. Now, I think it depends, right? If you talk to someone and they've got a bunch of prospects on the block and they're willing to give you a couple prospects if, for a if, guy, great. Yeah, I, but I think you can get what you need at auction is my guess. I, I agree. I think if, for me, it was more a perspective of if you can have a sweetener added on the other end and they can throw in a cheap prospect, like that might be worth doing because it's not... 
on some of my teams and some teams that I see, they already have six or seven. So adding one more prospect, they're not even going to keep them because they don't really have space for them. But on a roster like this, where you only have one, you have space to add almost any other prospect might be worth keeping and taking a chance on. So as a, as an addition to a trade at the back end, as a sweetener to a deal, I would consider that. But I agree with you 100%. The best place to to purchase those players, to, to acquire those players, um, is probably just to speculate for the $1 and $2 range at the auction and then just take some shots. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think if if this team can, I think what's going to be happening to this team based on where I'm seeing their budget is they're going to have enough money to go after one to two more expensive, not you know not two sixty dollar players, but two players who are sixty dollars combined to try to improve their offense, something like that. And then they're going to be playing on a lot of the like less than five dollar player range anyways. And so that's why I think there's an opportunity for them to get some some prospects that way. I do think the biggest and hardest choice this team is going to have to make is on DeGrom. And that's not because I don't think DeGrom is worth it. I do think he's worth it. It's because I don't know if this team is best served with a $52 DeGrom at the head of their rotation or with $52 to spend on a similarly valued bat. And so I would... I'd put DeGrom on the block and see what you can get for him. I'd be super intrigued if I could trade a if I could trade fifty dollar DeGrom for a similarly valuable, similarly priced bat, I think I would do it. I probably would too. I I, I think that in general, I would prefer to keep DeGrom and sell two or three of the middle tier of pitchings on this team. But I think you might be right that selling two or three of those pitchers might not get you back the, the same kind of haul that DeGrom would. And I and, and and there is a need for a stud bat on this let me, roster. Let me, so let me, let me throw actually something very specific out there. As I said, I'm going through the, the trade block. The Pointer Brothers team has a $50 Freddie Freeman on the block, and one of their needs is starting pitcher. Would you see about flipping DeGrom and Freeman – Big time blockbuster deal, a $52 to ground for a $50 Freeman. I, I might I might want something more back with the Grom. Or uh yeah, in exchange for Grom. Sorry. I might want Freeman plus something small for DeGrom. I would absolutely need more than Freeman. Something like Zuna or Santander comboed with Freeman for DeGrom. Something like that would be a pretty close range for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know I if either Azuna, of those are on the block, but <clears throat> I think Azuna you're not going to get is my guess, right? I think I think his value is is too high, and I don't think that that that's I don't think it's realistic. But do I think you could get Freeman and Freeman and Santander's really interesting offer? Freeman, I'm looking. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else. I, Santander is sort of an a a, a semi-perfect fit because this team needs offense. He's inexpensive. I don't think his value is so high that he's he's a non-starter here. I was starting to look at prospects, but I'm not sure they're really great. Like I love Trevor Larnock, but I'm not sure he does it here. I don't know. I, I would at least open some conversations with that team, though, because if they need starting pitching, I haven't spent a lot of time on that team's roster, but if that team needs starting pitching and you need hitting, which you do, there, there's a there's a fit there that makes sense. Yeah, and that should definitely be explored. I, I think for me, though, I, that DeGrom is not just a par asset. I think they're, even without inflation, there's surplus there with DeGrom. And then when you factor in adjusting for inflation as well, I think that's a valuable player in DeGrom. So I wouldn't, 
you know, I would really want a strong return, even though I am dealing from a position of strength with, with all the starting pitching I have, it would take quite a bit for me to move to Grom to somebody. I think that, I think I agree with that. I just, I feel that way about Freeman. I think Freeman is a, an elite bat at a, at a similar price. And that's where I think DeGrom is the $52 DeGrom is more valuable than the $52, the $50 Freeman without a doubt. There needs to be something to make that deal even, but it's a, a really interesting. It's like a reallocating of your assets kind of situation. Yes. And that's what this team should be doing. It should be shifting some of that pitching strength for hitting because, because I think, and it, and, the nice part is, in general, I feel like at the keeper deadline and then at the auction, pitching is pretty coveted. I mean, there there should be teams that are would be lining up to acquire a Jacob deGrom at a really good price. So I, there should be a very strong market for him or for somebody like Corbin Burns or Chris Paddock that you, that you could get a very strong return for. So I would be doing a lot of due diligence on, on multiple pitchers and and put them all on the block. And it doesn't mean you're not keeping them because otherwise you would be keeping them if you didn't have so many of them. It's not a matter of a lot of teams put players on their block because they're not going to keep them. You're not putting them on the block because you're not going to keep them. You're just putting them on the block because look, I have too much of these. I have too much strength here. I know somebody out there needs pitching. Let's work out a deal that's mutually beneficial because I'm going to help your team and you're going to help mine. And, and you know, that's the whole idea of making a trade is that it should be mutually beneficial. To that end, one thing I might do if I were this team that I sometimes do in leagues is, having done that with the trade blocks, I think is the right place to start, I would consider a week from now, three, four days before the trade deadline, making the vast majority of your cuts, getting yourself under the cap, and making it clear to your league mates that you're not cutting these pitchers, especially DeGrom. Right? If you can get yourself down to a place where your roster looks set, ready to go, and DeGrom is still there, you're going to take away a lot of hesitancy from somebody who might consider an offer for DeGrom. Because right now, anybody looking at DeGrom is like, you got $502 in salary on your team. You've got this $52 DeGrom. You're pro- you've got so much other pitching, you're probably going to cut him. And so being putting yourself in a position where you can signal, no, I have $300 in salary on my team. I've still got DeGrom, and I'm not planning on getting rid of him is going to help you negotiate. Now, maybe you don't need that help. Maybe you get a good deal anyways, because I think you, it's there's enough value in DeGrom that, it, that you should be able to. But I do think this team would benefit from not necessarily waiting to the last minute to cut some of the other expensive players They that if they think they're going to end up cutting them. Shop them, see if you can get something. Again, in some of these cases, I would be willing to trade... Like, I'll be honest, I don't think you're getting anything for Charlie Blackman at $48. But if you can get even a interesting, keepable upside bat for him, just do it and move on and start to bring that salary down. But if you can't, start making those cuts and put yourself in a position where three, four days before the deadline, you can be like, look, there might be a couple more cuts to come through, but this is my team. And so if you think I'm not going to keep my eight aces, I'm going to keep my eight aces. And if you want DeGrom, you don't get to wait till the auction. It'll just have a little bit more weight behind it if it looks legitimate. Right now... If you if I look close enough at this team, it is very clear to me they can and should keep Degrom. But if I don't, if I'm their opponent and I don't take the time to do that, my first thought is like, Degrom's gone anyways. So why would I trade for him? Make it super clear that that's not the case. Yeah, it's not something I've ever done, but I think in this very specific situation, that that could make a lot of sense in in sort of getting some of your cuts done ahead of time to sort of put pressure and and put everybody else on notice that 
I'm happy going into auction with this team. I am going to keep them, but you can make me move off of some of them if you can make me the right deal. So I, I like to do that because I also think it, it, it adds some, it just adds some credibility, right? Like when you're, when you're constantly trying, and I, I hate to undermine the value of this team's potential trade assets, but like trying to shop a $48 Blackman to me is just like, I don't think anybody's listening to that. And so there's no reason to keep him on your roster. There's nothing that's going to happen in the next week that's going to make Blackman more valuable than he is today. And I don't think he's close to valuable enough to be a trade piece or a keeper at that price. And so I just don't think you, I don't think there's any cost to you in cutting him. And I think there's some other guys in this roster that they could make that decision on too. And it would put them in a stronger position for everyone else. This team came 16 points short last year. Yeah, I was just noticing that. Yeah, and they won in 2018. So this is this this could really be like you got to win that second title, man. Yeah, I mean <laughs> their their note was that they had been going for it for four straight years, and and you know it's so this is this is a team that's been competitive, and I, I expect that it it is going to be competitive again, and with some some lucky breaks and some good moves at the trades and at the auction i think it's going to be right in the mix as well this year so okay i think i think we're done unless you guys have anything to add on that on that team specifically i think that we are we're definitely going to do this again next time one thing i want to mention real quick as we as we wrap up here is we understand that we're talking about very specific teams and very specific sort of micro situations but we're we're hoping that by drilling down and using some actual case studies that even these micro discussions have macro uh, ramifications, that there's a larger lesson to take from some of the things that we've, we've talked about. So we hope that that's true because I think it is. And then next week, we will discuss three more teams. It's going to be pretty interesting, pretty interesting to compare. I think we're going to try to get some Roto teams on this one. This was Fangraphs points dominated. So we want to discuss some other formats as well. So, all right. As always, thank you very much for listening and have a good night.